Yo, Orlando, guess who's getting hard as a rock? Jay and Silent Bob at the Hard Rock Live on March 16th. Kevin Smith and Jason Muse will regale you with ribald tales so debaucherous, I can't even mention them here. Actually, I just don't know what the fuck they're going to talk about. But prepare your funny boner for some awesome oral. We'll even supply the tissues. Jay and Silent Bob get old at the Hard Rock Live in Orlando on March 16th. Links for tickets for this and all Smodco shows available now at csmod.com. Yo, Detroit, guess who's coming to save the city on April 13th? Nope, not RoboCop. Jay and Silent Bob, motherfuckers. Smotco's icons are taking the stage at the Redford Theater, and you are cordially invited to plant your ass there. Kevin Smith and Jason Muse. No trench coats, no hair extensions, but maybe a reference to Don't Stop Believing. Jay and Silent Bob get old. April 13th at the Redford Theater in Detroit. Tickets on sale now, so go get them, Tiger. Oh, wait, sorry. Lions. Links to tickets for all Smodco shows at csmod.com. Biatch. So you're saying to yourself, yo, sir, dude, I wanted to see Kevin Smith in Halifax, Nova Scotia, but the motherfucker sold out. Well, after I shed a tear for you, I highly recommend bookmarking csmod.com. That's the place on the worldwide interwebs to see all upcoming Smodco shows updated with linky links to Tiki Tickets. Say it with me, baby. csmod.com. Nice. Ooh, I just got a little hard there. Red State DVD and Blu-ray available now at coopersdell.com. Get exclusive bundle packages featuring posters, soundtracks, t-shirts, signed scripts, wardrobe used in the film, and a chance to be a guest on air with Kevin Smith via Skype. Red State DVD and Blu-ray exclusive bundles now at coopersdell.com. Smirch alert, smirch alert, motherfucker, smirch alert. Go to smodcast.com slash smerchandise to get your official Jay and Silent Bob iPhone 4 cases from Casemate. Choose from three different snoogerific designs. We got soft ones and hard ones. Hey, I'm talking about the cases, bitch. All emblazoned with your favorite Smodco icons, Jay and Silent Bob. Snag your iPhone 4 case for $39.99 and protect the precious smodcast.com slash smerchandise yo Canada Jay and Silent Bob are gonna be royally mounting you December 7th in Vancouver December 8th Edmonton December 9th Calgary December 10th Saskatoon and December 11th Winnipeg their comedic maple syrup's gonna be gushing all over your timbits. How's that for a visual, eh? Jay and Silent Bob get old. Live in the Great White North. Linky links to tickets at smodcast.com slash get old in Canada. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir love with our official t-shirts, biatch. Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Garmy. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on Smerchandise. Mm-hmm. 
Catch live video clips of Jay and Silent Bob Get Old and Hollywood Babylon on the Kevin Smith blog for the Huffington Post. Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. That's Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. Want early access to tickets for Smodcast Internet Radio's metric fuckton of live shows? Join Smodcast. For just $4.99 a month, you'll get CD-quality audio of every podcast you hear on Sir ad-free. It's like watching porn without having to fast-forward through that goddamn plot. You'll also get bonus video content and other badass exclusives. Smodcast where Smodcast goes save for pay. All the deets at Smodcast.com. This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking two, from the American Dream. One, two, three. There is one whom I have wronged, and he looks at me angrily. This bothers me, no matter what I do. Offer my apologies Always he ignores my pleas But I ask myself What the better man would do He would forgive me So I'll forgive me too There have been so many times That I have felt so low I would rather die Than look at me someone else's view And always there were those who would gladly tell me I'm no good But I ask myself what the better man would do He would love me so I will love me too I've been ashamed the life that I've been living Take my hand Tell me I'm forgiven Take my hand 
and tell me I'm forgiven. So if you're walking down the street and you see a soul who's in defeat, don't you pass him by? No matter what you do. Brother, don't you understand that when you land a helping hand, the person that you really help is you. Yeah, love your neighbor. He will love you too. If you do the things, if you do the things. If you do things, the better man will do. <laughs> that is my dear friend, Eric Schwartz. Uh, it's a song called Better Man. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. He's an incredible singer songwriter. He's also got uh, funny comedy songs uh, like Keep Your Jesus Off My Penis and stuff like that. He's just a brilliant songwriter, very talented musician, and he'll be here Saturday night. In this exact room, we're going to have a big, a bit, a big holiday party and we'll be um, playing some live music and singing and trying desperately to sing harmonies to Crosby, Still, Nash songs, but it's it's pretty scary. But we don't care because we've imbibed some chemicals, and by that point, we're really not interested in sounding good. We just want to sing. Uh, so welcome, everyone. It's um, it's December. <laughs> it's December. I told uh, Bob, my husband, today, um, it's December, and I want to cry. It just scares me because I don't remember living the year. I know I did because it's December, but um, many months have gone by, many things, uh, and it's been a great year. And we've only got a few more podcasts uh, this year. So um, so part of what I'm doing this part of the year is I like to kind of clean my shit out, you know, because it's the end of the year and I want to start the year with like a big empty space and, and all that. So I was cleaning out my office this week and... Um, you know, my mother died 14 years ago, and I've had this shrine to my mother. And then I put a shrine to my dad up too. But the shrine for my mom's been up there for 14 years. And it's it's in my other office, my inside the house office, we're out in the studio here. And, um, and it had the box that used to have her ashes in it. And it had like little postcards and pictures and stuff. And, you know, part of the reason and part of the process of me doing this one person show, um, a Carlin Home Companion, you guys have heard me talk about it, is to kind of like put all this parental family stuff into a big space and send it off into the world and kind of be done with it finally at the age of 48. <laughs> so part of that is I decided to dismantle the big shrine to my mom and and even the kind of littler shrine to my dad. I mean, it was yeah, up there. Um, but, you know, my dad, I don't need a shrine to my dad because I literally I go on, you know, the internet every day. <laughs> He's everywhere. And I've got his all of his stuff, which because it's his stuff, it's actually shit. But that's another conversation. Um, all around my house here. So uh, dad doesn't need such a shrine, but mom does. And I took them down. 
And I made a more simple kind of um, elegant shrine, which I really love. It's the statue that my dad had that he originally put on the box of my mom's ashes. It's just this gorgeous nude, which really looks like my mom in some way, this bronze. And then to represent my dad, um, I have a doodle of his from the Ritz-Carlton that's framed. And it's just this black pen doodle. And uh, so there's this bronze, gorgeous nude of my mother. And then there's this black and white kind of angular doodle that my dad did. And it's so yin and yang. It's so incredibly the feminine and the masculine. And I thought, that's all I need is that. And I've got a little, just, you know, a little, little something over there and there. And, um, but I have to tell you that was Monday. So Monday night I had dreams of like doing cocaine again. I haven't done cocaine since 1988. <laughs> so lots of cocaine dreams and Roseanne Barr was in my dream and I was hiding the coke from her because she was like my mom in the dream. I don't know. I need to talk to Roseanne about that. Um, so I've just been having fucking weird dreams all week and I've been officially depressed because of this, but I know it's okay. I know it's good because I'm processing and moving through stuff, but, um, and the holidays are just a fucking bitch for me anyway. I mean, you know, without the parents and all of that. But so I've been a little depressed. And thank God I have people in my house right now who've come to visit me today because otherwise I'd probably spent the day in bed sleeping. <laughs> in the cave, I like to call it. In the cave. Um, and, and here's the other reason I'm a little overwhelmed and depressed this week was because Two weeks ago, if you remember, I had Andrew Cohen on my show. And for you guys who don't know, and, and for Jay here who doesn't know, Andrew Cohen is this uh, spiritual teacher, amazing guy who talks about evolutionary enlightenment. And I was finally finishing his book. I didn't really get a chance to read all of it before he was on. And um, one of the things he talks about is this amazing understanding of the creative impulse that went from the void of nothing to the big bang. Like, what's the thing? What's that, that, you know, some people call it God, some people call it, he calls it the creative impulse, but it's that thing that said, I want to go from nothingness to something. And that was 14 billion, billion years ago. And he talks about how humans are the conscious entity that is, you know, we are that creative impulse. We are that thing. And, uh, and so, he, he talks about how we are this 14 billion year old creative impulse that is now conscious of ourselves and conscious of the universe. And maybe that is why we are conscious is because the, the creative impulse itself wants to have consciousness and we are it. So he says, if we are it, what the fuck are you doing with your life? <laughs> and it's like, fuck man. Yeah. And I get it. And I, you know, I've, I've, been contemplating this shit for about 12 years now when I started practicing some hardcore eco-psychology Buddhism and stuff. And and really, but really sitting with that, like, what is important to you? And And I had to look myself in the mirror a little bit this week and think about this because, you know, a part of me wishes I could just pull the plug out of the culture, leave, go and sit on a mountaintop somewhere and really be connected to, you know, being a spiritual teacher and sitting on a pillow somewhere and doing that kind of work. And yet there's a part of me that really loves and longs to be on a stage and have an audience and make them laugh and make them cry and be a part of this business. And, and it's like, I start to judge myself about that. And is that shallow? And isn't that and all of that. So I just, you know, I just looked in the mirror a little bit this week. And I was like, Kelly, really, you, you really need to know how many Twitter followers you have. <laughs> 
this week. And I know, I know I want to get to 10,000 and all of that, but really after 14 billion years, this is the, what the fucking shit you're fucking worried about right now. So uh, just a little reality check, a little ego reality check going on for me, which uh, isn't, you know, too strange because I talk about it a lot here. And, uh, so, but it's a little depressing, I have to tell you. So that's why I'm a little depressed. And uh, on top of that, I'm, I'm PMSing. So, you know, it's probably all of it, but I don't care. I've made up these other stories about why I'm depressed this week. So fuck you. Okay. Um, so uh, we're going to take a, um, just a, a couple minute break. We're going to play another song and then I'm going to bring my guest on, which I'm very excited. Uh, he's one of my smodcast co- Patriots or something. I don't know what you would go. Compadre? Something like that. Yes. Comrade in arms or something. Comrade in pods. Anyway, we're going to play a little song. We're going to play Lorraine by Tracy Newman, which is a song about Lorraine Newman because, you know, I mean, my guest Jay was on the SNL and I thought, well, let's just make a weird little connection in music. Here you go. Just a toothpick of a girl Was making the whole world laugh Live from New York Every Saturday night For a solid gold hour and a half Blinded by the lights And the backstage drama Never knowing the extent of her fame Till late one night in the lobby of the plaza, John Lennon shouted out her name, From the rubble you'd be so glad you're you If you could see yourself as I do Now I'm watching you Watch your two girls swimming As you bask by the pool in the sun you bring up your hand to shade your eyes, gently caution your little one. Now they're begging you to jump into the pool. You get up and walk slowly to the side. Turn your back to the water, lift your eyes to the sky. Fall straight back with your arms open wide, Lorraine, Lorraine. If you could see yourself now, such a natural mother, like you hopped out of one life into another, you'd be so glad they have you. See 
Like I said, uh, oh, sorry, she had one more note in her. Uh, that was Tracy Newman, who uh, is a fabulously talented singer-songwriter and also, I mean, like real writer, too. She used to be a showrunner on sitcoms, and she's one of the people who founded the frickin' Groundlings. She's the one who dragged Lorraine over to the frickin' Groundlings, and then they ended up, you know, casting Lorraine for SNL all those many years ago. Uh, and I just love the line in the song where, um, you know, Lorraine doesn't know how famous she is because they've been kind of holed up in the offices there. And uh, she's at the Plaza Hotel and John Lennon screams her name across the hotel. Hey, Lorraine. And that's when Lorraine went, holy shit, John Lennon just said my name. I guess I'm somebody. Wow, what a fucking life. It's incredible. Anyway, enough about her life. Uh, my guest is... Um, uh, one who has a life also. He's got a bit of a life. Uh, oh, I don't need it. I mean, I'll do the basic introduction. This is a gentleman who's a stand-up comedian. He's a great storyteller. He's uh, an actor, films, television, sitcoms, serious, semi-serious, uh, created Last Comic Standing, um, written two books. Jesus Christ, when do you sleep? Uh, the lovely and fabulous Jay Moore. Thank you, love. Oh, of course. I like that... Uh People will say, uh, you do so many things. And my, my response is always, but that's only because so many things don't work. <laughs> it's true. If one of those things hit, <laughs> if Last Comic Standing was like, you know, Survivor or American Idol, right. I, I wouldn't write anything. Yeah. No, you would because you'd get bored. I would just walk on stage and go, this next guy is really weird. <laughs> I'm curious about that. Coming up with that idea for Last Comic Standing, what... What was your, was it, was your original intention? Did it look like what it ended up being on TV? Uh, mostly. Oh. I left the show when it became a bastardized version of what I did. That was like my big I'll show you moment to the network. Right. And then you sit at home and they just march on without you. Yes, they do, don't they? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wanted it to be the, the house on last comic standing in the first three seasons to me, like that's the most important part of the show mm -hmm. to have almost like a real world element with comics. Because when I came up on the East coast, the comics like, uh, and the guy specifically on the show, like rich boss, Dave mortal, Ralphie may like, they would just kill. We would just eviscerate each other. Yeah. And then you go out to the West coast and it's a completely different, like, Hey man, yeah. I just rolled in in my BMW to read my, I just put down my comic book right. and my Cheetos and now I'm going to go to the Laugh Factory. I'm going to talk about George Lucas for 20 minutes. Right. And then I'm going to go home. Like, why are you shitting on me, right. bro? I, like, I, what's your deal? I have a life. Leave me alone. Yeah. And we're like, look at this fucking guy. 
uh, and I wanted them all in a house together. Mm-hmm. So that was good. But mostly the impetus of the show was people kept asking me who my favorite comics were, and I kept naming people they'd never heard of. Mm. And I thought, that's not right. Yeah. So if there's a show for singers... And even like uh, Star Search had an acting portion. At I one remember time. that. Was that amazing? Yes, fascinating. Wait, and they would do the same scene. Like, yeah, yeah I remember those. Sort yeah. of. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I mean, you really can't put a price on the nuanced <laughs> performance of Group B versus Group A. I mean, to you, it might be the same scene, <laughs> but to people like me and Meryl Streep. You'd say this person's operating on another level. <laughs> Truly, yeah. you talk about evolutionary it, yeah. consciousness. <laughs> this yes. Andrew Cohen man sounds fascinating. That he you're is. On. He is absolutely. You have to listen to that episode. I will, and I want to get his book. Books. Uh, actually, one just came out. Pamphlet, it's a, flyers. It's a book. It's an actual hardcover book. Yes. It sounds fascinating. It is. It's and I, like that's stuff, stuff that I could talk about forever. Yeah. I guess anybody. That has ever bought an eighth of grass at a time. That, that's in your wheel. Like if you're dime right. bagging it, it's not like just put on the yeah. black crows and do your thing. Yeah, no. But if you're if you're eighthing it a week, you go. Wait a minute. Yeah. Nothingness to something. <laughs> Absolutely. But what I grabbed a pen when you were saying that because what struck out, what s- struck me was he wanted to know if we started from nothingness and what was that divine, yeah. divine, not necessarily meaning God as right. he put it, right. that divine, what's that thing, that larger that impulse lit the that, fucking match. that went from nothingness to something, but you're assuming there was nothingness. Well, and, but that's what, that's what the physicists say. I mean, they say there was nothing, but that's inconceivable. Uh, I know to trust, our primate brain, trust me, I get it. It is. It's, 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 but if you've ever been in a truly transcendent state, which I'm guessing you are because I, I watched your storytelling about taking four tabs of acid. Oh, yeah. But, Bart Simpson on. <laughs> so, so clearly you have yeah. taken those kind of drugs. I've been, I've moved stars with my fingers. Right. Clearly. It always comes out to number three. And, and even without drugs, if you've ever had a real, uh, you know, a real clear moment of transcendence where you have touched, you know, what they call nothingness, you really do understand what that means, that there is no time, no space, no self. But time's a human invention. Y- yes, it's it's an inv- it's an invent, but but in your human mind, you can touch a space that has right. no time, also and no space. Correct. A- and and the physicists say that there was actually a time before a no time before time. That that's what they believe, right? That's what they're working on right now. They're yeah. Like, but this that big Haldron Hadron thing, or you know, yeah, that's what the Rand people are working. on. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> but I mean, they still like we can't wrap our minds around black holes yet, which is also like super fascinating to yeah, me. Yeah, or dark matter. You know, like we're looking at black holes, going, we don't know what this is. Yeah, it's it's. We'll get back to you, America. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everyone, want to go to space? Uh, we're we're all gonna fly to Moscow and hitch a ride. Oh yeah, no, I don't. I wouldn't do that today. They're not having a good time in Moscow with the uh, Mars probe. They're not. It's circling Earth, and they can't get it to talk. <laughs> but back at least to they're them. going up. Like we've discontinued. <laughs> no, but our, our our probe went up last week, and it's heading towards Mars. Right I mean, now. as far as humans going yeah, to space, we've, that's, we've, we've we we our trains don't run on time we have, anymore. We have fucked up. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It's too bad. It is. It is sad. Uh, I meant. Do, do you think? The, the nothingness, I, I, I know it's hard for us to conceptualize. It's almost like when you die, like we all believe in an afterlife because we can't conceptualize of just being extinguished. Right. It's inconceivable because we are light 
and we are alive and we are shining and, and vibrating. And there's something besides just the material atoms here, you know, of the carbon and the oxygen and all that stuff, which is going to get recycled. You know, I get it. We're all stardust and we're going to be stardust again. But what is that spark of life thing? That's the thing that really fascinates me. It's like there's an electrical pulse in me. You know, what was that movie, 27 grams or something like that? They say the soul weighs this 27 grams, yeah. you know, the live person. And so I'm, you know, it's like, what is, what is that? You know, it's like, I, you know, I don't believe in like a Jesus afterlife or anything like that, but I'm curious, like, who knows? And you only get to know when you go. You don't get yeah. to know any other time. And you all go. And the thing is, is that notice, you, I said, notice I said you all. Yeah, that's, that's. Because I got a contingency plan. Clearly. I got a little hatch I got in my house. <laughs> I don't, you know, I can't, I'm just keep it on your hat. You'll be avoiding the void. Is that what you'd be doing? Uh, I embrace the void, Kelly, <laughs> each and every day of my life. I'm head first in the void. The void is, I avoid the noid. It's <laughs> really where it's at. Well, the thing I like about dying is there's, there's two possibilities, right? I don't think that sentence has ever been said. <laughs> well, you know, I'm. The thing I like about dying. I'm a pioneer in these days. You, we've spoken in book titles so far. <laughs> The thing I like about dying, my first 10 years in Hollywood. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure uh, albums will be coming up next and band names because yeah. my friends and I would do that all day long too. Um, but the thing, the thing I find soothing about the concept of death, that's really what I wanted to say. A little spookier the second time around. But... Is, is that there's two options. Either there is nothing after death or there is something after death. And if there's nothing, it won't matter because we won't, no. And, and it, literally, there there won't be matter. There won't be anything. And if there is something, great. We'll get to find that out, too. So we're going to be fine. It's it's interesting that all religions uh, touch on it. I mean, I, I know like Christianity, you, you in Exodus, you have to come down in the book of Exodus. You have to really come down with those tablets to corral like a bunch of fucking and sucking lunatics yeah, that super, were out like shit kicking and just kicking the shit out of everybody. And very and, superstitious. I mean, they're there. And you had to come down and beliefs. go, hey, man, I just spoke to the big man. You guys are fucked unless you do this stuff. Right. We, we need some law and order here. We need command commandments. Right. You right. know? Right. But so to to corral everyone in, into the grinder that is the afterlife, <laughs> to get everybody to behave a certain yes. way so that you will be rewarded. And, and there's no coming back going like, Hey man, you were full of shit. <laughs> I went to the afterlife. It's just ether. Right, exactly. Uh, it's that kind of wait till your father gets home kind of a thing. It, wow, it's fun. Yeah, but dad comes home though. That's the thing. <laughs> they say he does. Yes. They, <laughs> wow. Uh, we don't. Then, we don't know. Yeah, and then like Hindus with with reincarnation is it's seen it's palatable. Yeah, but it's hard to once you're operating with our id ego super ego it's hard to imagine being in like ned's head (laughs) like to be like to be your dog ned is my sweet dog and just see like bizarre shapes yeah and not see color like how and have no concept i don't know why you would waste reincarnation on people of no with no concept that they've been reincarnated well that's 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 a going down though in the reincarnation i mean you know to the hindus and the buddhists you know the buddhists who believe in the reincarnation it's about going up and, right. and then not being reincarnated at some point that you're done you're done with your evolution and you don't get reincarnated the reincarnation thing for me that always you know doesn't work for me is just the simple math like there's how many billions of people on earth now yeah okay if one. Where did they all? Where did all this? Are the, I'm rounding. Do down. we have extra souls? It's just hanging out up there, and we get to bring them down here. I'm confused about this because there were not billions of people 
alive um, 10,000, 100,000 years ago, the humanoids. So I'm just a little yeah. confused by this. It's, straight, it's a straight math problem. <laughs> it is. It's a basic math problem at, at some this point, point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and is I'm, the glass half empty or half full? You have too much fucking glass. Exactly. <laughs> there's, too, there's too much liquid. There's too much glass. I don't know what to do. I don't anymore. know why I had to swear to get that point across. You have too much glass. Take two. <laughs> I like the first one better. No, it's had a little more it's like star emotion search, in it. Star yeah. Surge acting. <laughs> Let's try it again. Hey, is the glass half full or is the glass? Well, how cheesy. I already screwed. Hey, guys. I'm just, I just came from my son's middle school soccer game. Like I'm adding shit on. I'm sorry you won't be going to the next round, sir. Who won though? Hot property, four stars. The audience won. The audience lost with that reading I just gave. So if you get reincarnated up, that's the whole, that's, that's, that's that's, it, man. You're, you're happy. Uh, but if, if you don't know that you've been reincarnated up, like how do you know if you... Well, supposedly in these things, in the other realms, you have consciousness and you know what's going on to a degree. Hypothetically, you were complete in your last three lives in a row, completely destitute and horrible. Right. And awful. And now this is like a beautiful payoff. Yeah, you got your own home. You got a great guy. Bob in this house, podcast, like right I, now we're I all don't... present and beautiful the temperature's perfect. Uh, I think you got to earn that. I think I was like, you know, I suffered something horrible in a last lifetime, and that's why they gave me this one. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> which goes to my point. I don't know. If you don't have acknowledgement. Right. Then what's the... Then how, like, then it would seem like I would need acknowledgement that I've reached a higher plane of consciousness in this lifetime to fully fulfill this lifetime. Or is the game... You don't know, and we want to see how well you run the gamut Maybe, without yeah. this knowledge that you've been yeah. given the are promotion. You going, are you going to be grateful for this? Yeah. yeah. You've yeah. been given a promotion, but we're not telling you. Are right. you still going to come every day on right. time? Right, right. And are you going to are you gonna take care of things and keep things nice and, and appreciate? That's, what, are the, what are the Hare Krishnas? What's their take? Scientologist is like a spaceship? I don't. I, this, I don't, don't answer. There's going to be a knock on the door. I just want to say that exactly. Like, let's not talk about them. Yeah, I'm they're not fine. Sure. Because there no is a thing them. in the desert. Did you read that article? The new Did you read the New Yorker article? I wrote it. <laughs> the 30,000 word article by Figgis, uh the director. Paul? Uh yes, who was who was He left. Yes, and he writes like openly about their things in the desert where they keep people and people had to escape by driving through gates and Haggis? Or Figgis? Figgis, Haggis. No, not Haggis. Haggis is what you eat in Scotland. Well, so is little Paul. He's a very delicious oh, man. Someone tell me. Someone tell me on the Twitter. I don't know. Someone what is know. the um? It, now, does he live in hiding? No, I mean he do, he does not. He lives in L.A. and he works. And but he was in it for twenty five years, from like the beginning. And he talks about how you get in and you become like part of the network and you get work in Hollywood because of it. You know that all there's a big. Hollywood he's like the machine. monster Cody. Uh, he's the guy that quit the Crips. Crips are blood. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> Monster now we got the Scientologist and the Crips. No, but he quit. He wrote over. books about it, and like he's just out, like walking the block. He doesn't give a shit. Like yeah. I like that Figus is like these people. Like yeah. he's not like Art Bell, no. living in the woods. <laughs> Where is Art? I'm I miss talking, Art. Talking to Mr. X. I miss Art. Remember, he, the guy came to his house. The alien, Mr. Yeah, X, came yeah. to his house. Yeah. Told, told no more radio show art. Yeah. Well, I think it had to do with his wife dying. It's very sad, but. You said the box that your mom's ashes used to be in. Yeah, we spread them all. Where? Um, well, Dad and I, for the one-year anniversary, 
uh, we went up to Yosemite and we spread them in the Merced River and a little um, redwood grove. And then I took some on the road for a few years and I went to Big Sur and I went to a couple other places. So she's everywhere. She's everywhere. Yeah. And in your heart and your head. And the very last place I spread. Uh, I saved a little bit and I didn't know why I had saved them. I had this little baby food jar of them left. And I thought to myself, oh, this is really fucking pathological of me. I've got, you know, it's been like 10 years or something like that. And then my dad died. And then my dad in his will said, um, my family will know what to do with my remains and you have one month to get rid of them. Whereas my mom, it was like, you know, I spent years. and so Oddly, like, this is how Brewster mil- Brewster's Millions starts. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, wow, that would have been real funny if I didn't blow it. <laughs> Jesus. And uh, so I took my dad's ashes to New York and uh, have a, just this incredible experience. We went to New York City, landed in New York City. Uh, I had never met Belzer before, but Belzer had been talking to me well after my dad, after my dad died, comedians started calling me and I didn't know a single comedian and they all started calling me. So I meet, so Bob and I go to see Belzer at comics in New York and I, I have some of my dad's ashes. I have like three packets. I have neighborhood. We're going to go up to the old neighborhood, 121st between Broadway and Amsterdam. George Carlin Boulevard, I believe. It's going to be George Carlin way soon. We're working on it. And, uh, and then I know I'm going to go to down, um, on uh, Bleecker Street at the Bitter End. I know I'm going to put something there because that's where Dad was hanging, Cafe Wa and all those places. I know we're going to go uh, in front of the apartment, 519 121st Street. I know we're going to go up to the old, his camp up in Notre, uh, it's called Camp Notre Dame. It was up in New Hampshire, Lake Spoden, I think it's called. So I had these like little packets of ashes. So that night when we went to comics, the first night in New York, I had this little baggie of ashes in my purse and we go backstage at comics, which you know is about the size of this table, that backstage. It is literally, yeah. you can. <laughs> You're, and, and Gilbert Gottfried is backstage. And so it's Taylor Negron, Belzer, me, Gilbert Gottfried, Amy Stiller, uh, and myself and Bob and a couple other people. And we're in this little hut, you know, this little hut. And it, it really is like a closet. It is. It's a closet. It's a very long, narrow closet. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. And Gilbert Gottfried, who I'm kind of already afraid of anyway, says, so do you have any ashes on you? And I thought to myself, don't tell him. Don't tell him he's going to eat them or something. I was really not sure what he was going to do. And then Gilbert says, so whose career is more dead? Your father's or mine? And Amy Stiller goes, yours, Gilbert. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, we ended up taking my dad's ashes to all these places. And I brought my mom's with me. And I was like, oh, now I know why I saved my mom's. And I took my mom's and my dad's. And we used to have this place in Woodstock. And, um, I mixed them together and there's this little creek that ran through the property and there was going to be a big thunderstorm later in the day. And we just put it in the dry creek bed. And I knew that the ashes were going to get swept up by the creek and go down to the Hudson river and then out into the Atlantic. And then it goes up in the in the Gulf stream and it goes to Ireland where my dad's from. And I, so I knew that my dad would be going home. Right. So, on. so, so I have no more ashes. I didn't, I got rid of dad's right away. And then I had, I saved a little bit and I came back here and Sally and I, his girlfriend, we, put some underneath the Venice pier because that's where dad dropped acid. So I wanted him in a good place. <laughs> How did you feel about Sally's book about your dad? You know, I uh, blessed it and I bless her, but reading it for me would be like, um, 
hearing about my father having sex or something. I mean, okay, it's but not... it wasn't like Courtney Love. Like, no, 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 lady. no, like, no. She's no. the real deal. Oh, the real deal. Okay, absolutely real deal. He was mean, obviously madly in love with her. Mad, and my dad madly in love with her too. You know, yeah. which put me back in therapy. Which is a whole. That's come see my one woman show next. It's month. very strange to it me. It was hard having me. married uh, my second mm-hmm. marriage. Wish I'm I, in my second marriage too. I have to get that annulled because I hate, like, I hate. It's not fair to Bob. It's not fair no, to Nick. It's not. It's not fair to these it's people not. to say my second wife yeah. or my second husband. Uh, <laughs> but I, in your case, your second husband, I'm guessing. <laughs> yes. Only you, you liberal kids. <laughs> it, but, like, uh, I actually married my first person I was ever in love with. Mm, is who wow. I'm married to now. Oh, wow. Like, I was never in love oh. with. Right, Jackie, my nine-year-old mom. It was always like, eh, it was always like, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. And with Nick, it was head over heels, mm. bananas. Mm. Like this is yeah. stars colliding, crazy time, madness. And you were in a different space in your life too. Yeah, I mean, obviously. So f- for your dad to have had that twice to me is so strange. Yeah, when you said. You opened the door because you said it put you back in therapy. I don't, yeah. I'm not like, yeah, no. I don't want to. No, no. It's, you know, and, and what was really interesting was, you know, my parents, they met when my mom was 21 and my dad was 23. And it was 1960 when they met. And, you know, they went through a ton of stuff and they stayed married through all of it. You yeah. know, I mean, a long time. And um, when my mom died, they were still married. And, but when my dad met, and so they had a lot of baggage. I mean, no matter what, after they were married 37 years, I think when my mom died, You've got a lot of baggage, especially when a lot of drugs and a lot of, you know, cheating happened during the 70s and he was on the road. I mean, you know, just a lot of shit went down in their relationship and there was a lot of anger and rage at times and things. So it was a lot of baggage and they, and they were more like best friends at the end. You know, they'd been through it all and they were soul, they were soul connected in that way because my mom was, you know, was the person who sat in the audience and was his biggest audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and believed in his career. They had nothing when they first met. And, um, but when my dad met Sally, there was no baggage. And my dad got to have this other experience. He was 60, 61 when he met her, 60, um, around like, 61, 62. It's like going out with girls from another school. Yeah. Yeah. And it was you like. You can show up and be whoever you want to be. Yes, completely. And he hadn't dated really anyone, you know, for, However, 40 years, almost, you know, it was like he got to be in his 20s again in some ways, you know. And so he came alive when Sally came into his life. And even though it was hard for me and my internal psychodynamics, I was so happy for my dad because there was such joy and life and life in him again. And I thought, I mean, I was always worried about my dad's heart, but I thought, wow, I think this is going to really like bring life. It wasn't until I read last words that. I don't think anyone realizes like your dad was operating with like mm-hmm. this crazy like half a Jarvik heart, yep. baboon parts, and like yeah, yeah. I, uh, how many heart attacks did he? He'd have? had three heart attacks. He had five angioplasties. Mm. He had stents in, and then he had a device in at the end. And um, about five years before he died, he was having some sort of a procedure, and a uh, guy came out and he said, um, "It was like sheet white." It was a specialist doing this thing called an ablation arrhythmia thing. And he wasn't my dad's normal cardiologist. And he comes out, he's like, sheet white. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, is he okay? And he's like, no, he's fine. He's fine. Um, but you do know that his heart is held together by scaffolding and it's a miracle he's alive. And, uh, I talk about this, of course, in my show because I talk about everything, but it's, it was in that moment when I realized, oh, I know I've been waiting for the phone call for 20 years, 
but now I have to really get that it's a fucking miracle that he's alive every day and kind of prepare myself on some level. And, you know, dealing with mortality on that way, it really puts you in a different mind space with the people you love. My wife and I have obsessed over your dad for as long as we've been together for very different reasons. I, I being a comic, have been obsessed with your father because he was just, he's the alpha, the omega. He's just the best. <laughs> and my wife has always been, you know, E.E. E. Cummings and Sexton. Mm. She's obsessed, mm. o- horrible OCD with words. Mm. And your father was all about words, words, And my words. dad was partially OCD also. <laughs> W-E-R-D-S, W-U-R-D-S, W-O-R-D-S, yes. words, words, words. Right, right. Uh, so my wife would like obsess over your father's usage of words. Mm. And so So she must love like modern man and stuff. Oh yeah. It's (laughs) fascinating. Yeah. It's great. But we have this bizarre list of, you know, the who in my generation hope I die before I get old. Mm -hmm. Your dad died before he got old. Yes. He was 74. He was 72 when he died. He was 72 and somehow he died before he got old. And I don't mean old chronologically. No. I mean, his last special was fuck Tiger Woods. Uh, No, fuck Lance Armstrong. His ball in his bike. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 that smug fucking look on his face. And my dad knows knew I loved Lance Armstrong, so that he my dad would do this shit to me. He would be like, "Fuck Lance Armstrong," and and, yeah, fuck him and his fuck. You know, yeah. More ratted. Fuck Tiger Woods. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they used to say about my dad, he was the hippest man in the room, and that was true till the day he died. Oh, always. Yeah. And then. Uh, John Entwistle, oddly, was a guy mm. in The Who who died before he got old. Yeah. He died doing coke with hookers on him. Mm. Like, that's, <laughs> like, he did, like, his, mm. he, that, that's odd. Talk about ironic, Alanis. <laughs> that's irony. Yeah. You know, it came out later that The Who only toured because Entwistle was broke again. Wow. A couple times they were like, do you want to go out on the road again? <laughs> Dude. Because Townsend Daltrey, they never needed any money. Right. Wow. Just and whistle just rocked it. He did. Well he lived with a capital L I V E D. Live in italics. <laughs> Are you yes. going to live? What will you do with this one beautiful great this life? This fourteen billion creative impulse life. What the fuck are you gonna do with it? He fucking lived. Man. Do you think what I mean, not to get so obsessive about it, but I mean what's what's your short answer on that? What do you do with this life? Isn't it all about just keeping it filled with light and you know, love? I, well, that's, I mean, yes, ultimately it is. And um, you mentioned Twitter. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, your Twitter followers. And yes. Stuff. And it is like, I always think to myself, there's a reason Buddha has that smile on his face. <laughs> It's because this is all so fucking absurd. It, it is. And at the this same time, you're in it. And so this is what I'm trying to, this is what I'm grappling with in my life. Because Let me help you. Please, right. please help me with this. People S- listening to this that listen to more stories are going, <laughs> who is this guy? I know. Welcome. When's he going to imitate black people welcome, at the beach? Welcome I don't want to go in the water. Welcome to Kelly's space. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, so. This is what I grapple with because my whole life, you know, I, my father was part of an industry, a business. I mean, he was an artist, but he was also part of an industry, which I grew up in. And I, you know, Lily Tomlin and Lucille Ball, these were my heroes. I wanted to be on stage doing characters, doing that kind of stuff. Um, I, you know, I, I knew I, I wanted to be a performer, but I knew that my dad, he was, and he was ultimately, the, you know, he talked about this, that he just wanted to be the, you know, look at me. 
I'm so smart. I'm so clever. That was a big part of it for him was being seen and heard as that and to, to make people laugh. And, and yet I watched him and I watched him affect human beings and the culture. So I saw that he had a profound impact on the raising of consciousness in this country. And so for me, it was like, okay, so what? I, no matter what I do, if I've been put on this planet, and it's a 14 billion year freaking evolution, I'm here to I'm here to raise consciousness. That's, imp- that's important to me. It's funny you mentioned <laughs> I had you pegged for a six thousand year, six thousand year old woman. You should see my, di- my dinosaur bones. That's my doctor's name, Doctor Will to Live. <laughs> That's good. Um, so I'm so so part of me. But how do is a ham and wants to just people fucking... like you and I that are not named Jorge Carlin. <laughs> how like how, like Maddie and Bob and me mm-hmm. and just your neighbor across the street, the fireman. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, he is actually. Oh, well, he's out. Let's take him out. He's a captain. How do we raise consciousness if we're not, if you're not a performer? Is it just by being kind? Yes, it's that simple. The Dalai Lama. I just I tweeted this last night. The Dalai Lama says my religion is kindness. It is treating each other with respect and love, and. And, and really looking into each other's eyes as humans. You know, when you go to the market and you're checking out, really looking at the lady behind there who's been scanning the items who probably gets ignored 90% of the time and say, how's your day? How are you doing? It's cold in here. God, you have to stand in this for the next fucking two hours? Wow. You know. Don't, I know you, we spoke a little bit on the phone and I asked you your religious learnings. You told me you were a Zen Buddhist. Mm-hmm. And I told you, I just, I became Catholic. I went the opposite direction of your dad. Like, I became Catholic like right. eight years ago. Wow. I was called upon. Now, when you say you're Catholic, do you believe in a man in the sky with a beard thing? No, but I I, I think love and God are the same word. Okay. That's... So I approach it from a very Buddhist yeah. angle because I was a little obsessed with the Tao. And it's more of a mystical Buddhism. approach it, to it, it. It's just that giant electron, whoa. Yes. Completely, it is. Yeah, uh, and we're all just pieces broken off. Yeah, and but I, I don't, you know, but Saint but Mo- see, where I go, Saint Monica's is really. My grandmother's funeral was there. I love it's Saint it's a progressive is place. It? Oh, yeah, it's like there's it a gay and lesbian mass. Oh, nice. You sit next to homeless people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like crazy people with dogs and strollers and stuff. <laughs> it's Santa Monica. And, yeah, <laughs> and after every mass. They go out and they feed the homeless. That's why there's so many homeless yeah, people in Santa Monica. That's what I call those good, those good Catholics. Because there's some Catholics that do some really righteous, great work on the streets and have been for, you know, 50 years. I mean, they were civil rights marchers, those people. Who I was really... stunned when I went there. I went I went to a funeral in St. Louis. It was a Catholic funeral. Mm-hmm. And when I sat in this Catholic funeral, I was called. I was just, I just was called upon. Wow, interesting. I was told. Huh. I was called upon, huh. and I went to St. Monica's because I would run through, my run takes me past there, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, St. Monica's, and I went to a mass, the first time I ever went to a mass, and Monsignor Torgensen came out, and I I kept explaining it to my wife and to people that I was called upon, mm-hmm. and Monsignor Torgensen came out my first mass, you know, the Catholics, 
They give you like nine shots at it. There's like three masses <laughs> on Saturday. There's six masses all day Sunday. Like Presbyterian, yeah, as I grew up. And there's drinking it's like, involved. It's 9 a.m. If you missed it, you're out. I yeah, can't exactly. help you. It's closed. We're closed. We're done. Yeah. Uh, but like God's a Catholic door church, is shut. You just, you just go in at any time and sit in a pew and it's just open and empty and quiet. Yes. Uh, but Monsignor Torgensen came out the first mass I went to and he said, friends, we are a called people. Hmm. And that just you were like holy shit i was yeah that yeah. was like someone put acid in my yeah tea or something like that yeah. was really nutty and so i went all right the pieces are coming together interesting wow, and it's cool but you know the old thing of dalai lama you said dalai lama i went off on a tangent but like god oh i, I know what i want to say to you and i apologize for going off on a tangent no, that's fine but people Christianity, I think, scares a lot of people off because of its representatives and like people that hold up signs that say John three sixteen are yeah. so batshit crazy. Like, yeah. if you don't get in, if you don't believe in Christ, you're not getting into heaven. Yeah, like, that, well, what if you were born before Christ? Yeah, then right there, you're just a moron. Yeah, it's but yeah. John three fourteen, I think so. Yeah, is I'm the son. John three sixteen is I'm the son of God. But right before that is the sentence that no one ever says. And I think your dad would have dug it was, I'm the son of man, mm. which makes you God, which makes me God, which right. makes Matt God, which makes God in all of right. us. It's the Buddha nature. Which mi- exactly. Yes. Which makes me able to directly influence that woman across the counter at Ralph's day. Yes. By saying, how you doing? Right. You look great. And somehow this woman's happy for the next, what, 14 minutes, whatever it is. Right. I've affected someone's world. Absolutely. How a God that you would pray to would. Yes. Basically, I'm God. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Well, I'm, I'm back. And, and I'm, and I am too. Getting, so we're going to have to arm wrestle over we're it. We're getting the band back. No, it's a, it's a, it's a co, it's a co headline gig. Oh, okay, good. The second good. coming is a co. I, that's I, I don't have to be title. your opener. This, no, we flip flop it. We flip flop it. Good. Okay. San good. Francisco is all you. When we go back to Jersey, you're Love not going to want to follow that. That's true. That let is me close Jersey. No, you're let right me about that. Close East Coast. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And then we'll just flip a coin in the middle states. Okay, good. mine. I was born there. So, yeah. All right. The second coming is a co-headline gig. God, that's a good title. We got some good good ones today. We do absolutely. Andrew Andrew Cohen would be proud of us. He would be proud. He would be. And and, and that's what um this you know this is why I don't understand these fundamentalists. A fundamental anything you know that's what you know. I mean even the atheists. You know I love the rationalists. I love the atheists. I love because you know um scientific objective thinking is was really important for human kind to move forward in the world and and to actually it's part of the evolution that andrew cohen talks about even but you know it's important to have rational thought and and not to believe that there's someone with lightning bolts in the sky it's just a good thing but um but the dogmatic atheists um drive me as crazy i don't think they're as dangerous as the dogmatic christians who want the armageddon to be not here as next good week a fundraiser <laughs> No, and definitely not. And no. <laughs> and not, they don't end like great slogans either. The Christians have, you know, good It's hard to fun. pass the hat for nothing. <laughs> We're nihilists. Pat your pockets. <laughs> nothing matters. Nothing exists. We're going to listen to Morrissey and cry. Put $20 in the basket and pass. Fuck you, And man. shut the fuck up. Fuck you. Andrew Jackson looks like Don Imus. <laughs> What are we doing here, man? Wow, Andrew Jackson does look like Don Imus. Looks just like him. I will never, ever. When I read his biography, they they said he had red hair. <laughs> and, yes. And I went, and he spoke with an Irish brogue. Oh. 
And I was like, that makes all these battles and, way more interesting. Yes, and imagine driving the a fucking Irishman driving Indians <laughs> off his goddamn land. And he let like he let like the you know he let the people into the into the white you know into the White House. You know, yeah. Imagine you know if Don Imus had been president, he might have done that too, letting anyone and everyone. Uh, let, let them let them all in, <laughs> Matt Cohen. Or, uh, God, did you do anything around here? Did you do anything? <laughs> Jesus, I'll tell you one thing. Your dad was very uh, adamant about. You know, there's no God, he, Joe Pesci, but do you, you know, praying to Joe Pesci, praying right. to the sun, which I always love. Right. He I, worshiped which, the sun, but I he prayed applicable. to Joe Pesci because right. Joe looked like someone who could get, get something like that right. But at the time, in hindsight, <laughs> he, he might have, yeah, you know, he went, might need you know, to update that. take it up a notch to Clooney or something. Yeah. <laughs> Joe just wants to play golf. Yeah. Although, which might be God's MO. Yeah. Which I just want to play 18, would, leave would me alone. Would really piss dad off then. Why not? <laughs> do you think, was... And I'm getting really personal because this all fascinates me. Was your dad's death very sudden? Uh, it was, how do I say it? Shocking, but not surprising. Yes, it was sudden. I was in Hawaii. Um, I mean, he didn't like walk around for a few days going, no, oh, I think I'm dying. He would never say that out loud, but he had been uh, struggling. When you when he did um, the second to last HBO, where he the modern the one's got Modern Man in it, it's the first time you notice that he looks elderly. He's puffy and he's kind of got this thing going on. And, and that's when I noticed that's when the actual heart failure, what they call heart failure, was starting to happen. So he had been walking around since then uh, in heart in some sort of state of heart failure, more or less, and they were regulating it and stuff. Now, he went to the doctor on Friday. He died on a Sunday. He went to the doctor on Friday and was getting a checkup. And the doctor was like, you know, I know we're going to do some tests on Monday. Da, da, da. I'd feel better if you were just in the hospital. And my dad said, no, I don't want to be in the hospital all weekend. I'm, if, I, if anything comes up, I'll let you know if I'm having symptoms or something. And, and the thing was, he went and he was having symptoms Saturday night, really bad. Sunday morning, he went in. And as the cardiologist explained to me, normally what happens with heart failure is they go in and there's four or five things they do that can help you. Uh, one of which is they give you um, this, I can't remember the name of this fucking drug. Chamomile tea. No, they don't give you chamomile. It's a D. So it's a D. Anyway, it takes the, um, it takes the fluids out of your body because that's what the heart failure is. It can't, your heart can't pump the fluids out of your lung and your heart anymore because it doesn't have enough pumping power. Okay. So there's normally, there's like four things that they do with a heart failure patient. And two times my dad had been in the hospital before with the heart failure, the two years before, um, they'd done it and it right away it worked. Everything was fine. Well, they went in and they did one thing and it didn't work and they did two things and it didn't work and they did three things and it didn't work and it did four things and it didn't work and his, he died. I mean, his lung and his heart filled up with fluid and he died. So. Do you think in your heart of hearts, when you were alone in the cave, mm -hmm. do you think your dad died not believing in God? I think my dad died uh, he would not call it God. He he wouldn't even call it believing. My dad had some profound experiences on uh, LSD where he said to me years later, not when he was on it. When he was on it, he was just crazy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but he said, you know, at one point I realized that literally, and I think this is where he got the big electron thing from, that we are all made of like, the, we're all the same thing. We're all the same matter. And he says, I really got that I... And a shoe in the gutter and the president of the United States, we were all the same thing. And therefore, there's nothing to fear because no matter where I look, 
I'm just looking at myself. So he got a profound experience of the transcendent. Very Buddhist also. Absolutely. A profound experience of that. And, um, and I know he struggled with, uh, I mean, he certainly rejected any dogma or any, uh, you know, idea of a being, but, uh, I, I think he, I think he had, um, you know, an understanding of, of that, you know, when, when he died, one of the things I kind of, you know, said to him is, I don't know if you've had a parent die, but it's pretty intense when they die. And there's this kind of veil that ha- there's this, you're, you're suddenly, at least I felt very much half in, in this world and half in the other world. You're, it's very weird. It's beyond the I veil. I haven't touched it's, it yet. It's a very strange experience. And, um, who do you call at night? You, you, you just know. You don't have to call anyone. No, I mean, once your parents are gone, it's like, that to me is the biggest fear. Who well, do I call when I don't you, feel well? Well, for my mom, I literally picked up the phone and pretended to have conversations with her for about six months after she died. I think that's completely normal. It, I'm not if, kidding. And I had to do it because she and yeah. I talked on the phone like two or three times a day. So without it, it was like, you know, half my body was gone. When my mom died, it was very different than when my dad died, but, um, so we had a different kind of intense relationship, but, but, you know, when my dad died, it was like I, I said to him after he died, even though I know he said there's no up there, up there. But I said, up you know, there. <laughs> exactly. I said, so, dad, now at least now, you know, what whatever's there, you know, like, congratulations. You you've got, you know, you got the prize. You get How to know. How would it be if a guy with a fucking beard <laughs> holding lightning bolts was like, ah, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Carlin. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> come in, come in. We were just about to start dinner. Like Sit down. Boat. <laughs> Have a glass of Merlot. Jill St. John is not on. She's on her way. <laughs> Please, would you like to play some shuffleboard on our main deck? <laughs> Follow the guy with the clipboard and the big ass. <laughs> oh, Mr. Carlin, you're a cut up. <laughs> so, yeah, death is weird. <laughs> I like one of, I two of the things I really like about dying. That's what you said earlier. That's so yeah. great. Yeah, well, it's. I think about these things a lot. It doesn't scare the shit out of you. Oh, it does. Totally. I think that's why I became a Buddhist right after my mom died is when I started going. I really wanted to be able to, I wanted to be able to face death with, without the terror. How do you think you're going to die? Oh God, I don't know. There's a way I think you're going to die. I don't know. My mom died of cancer. Her mom died of cancer. So I was always fearful of that happening. Um, But I think the Buddhism, I don't know kind of is like a cancer wall. It's like a firewall for cancer. Yeah, but then, you know, then great Buddhist teachers get cancer and you think, oh, okay, well, that fucking doesn't Those work either. <laughs> that's that's good. why they got it. It's, you know, you think, oh, okay, that's that's not the fucking answer. That's not going to uh, be the firewall either. You know, it's there's there's nothing. I mean, there, who knows? I... I I just want to be able to, I would love to be one of those people that, you know, sings their way to the other side or wherever that, you know, I just. You want to be a crazy person. Yeah, why not? <laughs> the guy in the bed ne- next to me thinks he's Ethel Merman. <laughs> There's no business like show. What a coup in the movie Airplane, just for that one stupid scene for the pilot to be in the mental hospital awesome. to go, and the guy in the bed next to me thinks he's Ethel Merman. <laughs> And you call Ethel Merman, <laughs> fucking, you call Mama Rose, Ugh. and you go, hey, crazy fucking yeah. batshit lady. You're going to love this. That thinks she hung the moon. <laughs> right. Painted it. Guess what? And farted stars. <laughs> we want you to be pinned into a bed, and we want you to fight orderlies while singing show business. And she's like, I'll do it, honey. <laughs> like Jim Abrams and those guys it's beautiful. really it's beautiful. hit it out of the park. Absolutely, man. 
completely hit it out of the park. I worked with Jim Abrams on a, on a movie that was very fun and funny. A lot funnier if you're high. Mafia. <laughs> and it didn't do well. I have this uh, wonderful thing. I work with the biggest people in the worst moments of their careers. <laughs> like, hey, the guy that did Hot Shots, you know, it made $180 million. Yes. And the sequel made $200 million. Yes, you yes. know, uh-huh. an airplane, airplane to police squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this one's called Mafia. It's going to yeah. top out at about thirty-six million. It's going to cost forty million mm. to make, and you're number one on the call sheet. Ah, great. Okay. But you'll have a great time. You'll get laid in Reno. There you go. And laid you know, in Reno. That'll yeah. That, there you go. There you go. Laid in Reno. <laughs> That's my first album. You want to do a um, you know? How about a comedy with Eddie Murphy? Sure. Yes. It's called Pluto Nash. Have fun. <laughs> like I couldn't be in the fucking clumps. <laughs> I couldn't have been Ernie Clump. You know now, do people when they know you've signed on Al to Pacino, projects, Simone. do they do they back away slowly now because of I would this? like to think I haven't touched Ernie <laughs> Hudson's status yet. I don't know if you know that one. It is amazing. My wife told me that one, and I go, "That's not true." And I looked at his IMDb, and you looked at and it, went, and it was like, oh my. Oh. And then we were putting a movie together, and um, I was part of some of the casting. It's called Lonely Street, and it's not. It didn't, you know, it was much less than the sum of its parts. <laughs> Where I was the bumbling. Here's the story in a nutshell, which is fun. It's based on a stupid, silly, stupid fun. I mean, seriously. Good, I don't mean stupid. Fun. Yeah. Good, I didn't, mean, I didn't mean stupid. Excellent, stupid fun. Like funny, stupid, like yeah. just a goofy little. Yeah. A, a bumbling private eye mm-hmm. gets hired to protect a celebrity from paparazzi. He mm-hmm. goes to like the top floor of a Holiday Inn in Tucson. It's Elvis. Oh, nice. He's 63 years old. Awesome. He's doing karate. Oh, no, he's an old Elvis. Right. And then somebody gets murdered. Elvis leaves town. And his alibi is, it could not have possibly oh. have been me. Oh. I've been working with Elvis Presley. <laughs> like, this is an idea you're in already. This is ob- absolutely. We got Robert Patrick to play Elvis. Nice. Old Elvis. Right. He, he wore Elvis's teeth. <laughs> he had it down, the prosthetics. Wow. But then when you shoot the chin, he looks a little like Jay Leno. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had me doing voiceover over and over like uh, now I'm walking into the building <laughs> now this now one thing when you walk upstairs right. like every frame of the movie I'm doing so voiceover so the Robert McKee rule was happening Definitely. yes very nice <laughs> thank you <laughs> and I said to the writer uh, I'm not going to say his name he's so sweet and he directed it was, he was an editor turned director and I said here and we wrote a lot of it together mm-hmm. and I said Listen, before you release this to the hounds, mm. you and I got to watch this together mm-hmm. and we got to take a pass at it. Right. And then show it to them. Then it's you and I. Right. Like right. director and star show. Right. And he just let everyone see it at once and he got everybody's notes mm. and then the product. It's called Lonely Street. Mm. Cat Williams is in it. Mm. Paul Rodriguez is in it. Wow. And they go, playing the part of Captain Morgan will be Ernie. We got Ernie Hudson. And I went, oh, oh. Uh oh. <laughs> And Ernie Hudson, to his credit, yeah, terrific actor. Oh, yeah. Sat across the table from me, yelled at me, and I believed it. <laughs> Damn. Like he took, he's like, let me tell you something, man. You think your shit is funny? <laughs> and I was looking at him. He, I was totally caught up in it. He was really good. Mm. And then uh, his streak is alive. So you're saying maybe I shouldn't have him on as a guest? You should definitely have him on as a guest. <laughs> you have you? Really? Wow. Matt Cohen has had, you had, for, for Ghostbusters? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure he's not tired at all about talking about I'm Coast. sure. All he wants to talk about is Oz, probably. It's like Dennis Haysbert talking about Allstate. <laughs> like, you know, I was nominated for a fucking Oscar. <laughs> yeah, right. He, what was the name of that movie? It was incredible. He was like a 1950s black man in love with a white woman. 
Oh. And he was nominated. Wow. Twitter. Come on. Oh, Jesus, people. People help us. Twitterati, are you out there? We've gone from um, hey, consciousness. Kevin Smith just tweeted that we're talking right now on the Smodcast. Thanks, we are Kevin. indeed talking on Kevin Smith's. Kevin Smith's. 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 It's hard to say, but Smith's. Smodcast. 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 Let's, chart, let's chart this, man. Let's chart. Let's chart our listeners right now. Ke- Matt, how are we doing with live listeners? <laughs> Oh, do you have a running town? Ta- oh, no, he doesn't. Say. I used to have one in the old place where I'd, and I'd watch him. And of course, I'd be like, oh, I have eight. Oh, now I have 13. Oh, I'm up to 16. 16 live listeners. You know, And that's of- what you're doing with these 14 billion years of... Yes, exactly. And I think to myself, really... you're looking at really, fucking how many people are watching me. And and in, and see, in my, in my young mind, um, of course, um, I always figured if 10,000 people aren't cheering my name and laughing at me all at once... Uh, it's not success. I mean, it, for years I had to overcome it's that not. shadow. So this is not success. You've, this no, is it's it. Not. No, this is not. I was. I'm in... completely screwed. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you know what? I Paul's can, I can start made. there. I can start there. I mean, there. Bob's got it made. Paul. Bob does. Yes. Bob's got it made. He does. He's in there. Fucking bastard. Some make believe project Damn. that involves like four <laughs> monitors. <laughs> got a little guest bedroom. Like, honey, you know, I got that thing in the morning. Right. Leave me alone. I With have to watch this. Very ambiguous networks that he's working for. Yes. Names that I kind of, it's not quite. Honey, I told Jay you, Leno. it's not the G4. It's a G1 summit. It's a whole thing I have to do. <laughs> Where is it? It's in the hemisphere part. It's over there on the other side. The uh, <laughs> consciousness. Well, all right. Where do you want to go from here? <laughs> this is great. Oh, I want you. I asked you earlier about Buddhism. Yeah. There is no There's no being book. Oh, there's no well there's the Upanishad. Am I saying that right, people? Upanishad. It's it's in Sanskrit. So if you want to learn Sanskrit, you can read it. Like uh, there's no Bible, there's no Tao, there's no Quran, there's no like this yeah, is the, the Bible. Yeah, the, the the Upanishads are I think but those are more f- through India, those kind of teachings. But no, the Buddha the Buddhist you know, teaching people. The Buddhist teaching were, was an oral teaching. So there was that. So there's, there are, there, and there are stories. And, and part of the Buddhist thing is that the teachers have all been taught by people. The, it's all about lineage in Buddhism. So it's when, like jujitsu. So when, yes, it's, it is. It's very, are you a Gracie jujitsu guy or are you just some ham and egger from right, Olympic Boulevard? Exactly. So it's all about lineage in Buddhism because in, in Buddhism, you can trace your teacher's lineage directly back to the Buddha because there was the Buddha and then he taught people who taught people and so on and so on and Let so on. Let me interrupt. There was indeed a factual living, G- breathing Buddha. Yes. Yes. There was a man. Yeah. Siddhartha. And he was just and, how they're like, people think Christ is like Santa Claus. Like, right. There was an actual. And then there's a Christ. story about him. If you read, right. if you read Herman yeah. Hesse's Siddhartha, yeah, yeah. which is not real. It's, it's, it's the Brahmin. A, and it's the, it's yeah. a mythological version of this it's man who was a prince of and then all the of that. Guy. But yeah, there was an actual guy who, who did. He gave up everything and right. became an aesthetic and then figured out that that wasn't really, you know, starving yourself and sitting on a rock all day really wasn't it either. He really went the other way with it. He, well, yeah, because that's how everyone was doing it. And then he was like, that slob. Yeah. <laughs> with a goofy smile on his face. Technically, that's not the Buddha, actually. Uh, I, that's a shock. Coca Cola created that <laughs> in the 50s to sell. I thought you were going to say Cocoa Krispies because why not? I like the Cocoa Krispies. No, because Coca Cola created Santa. <laughs> And the fat Buddha, it, it, it yeah. created his obesity. What one thing I've noticed already about Buddhism is they didn't put all these addendums 
and earmarks on the Buddha. Right. Whereas in Christianity, yes. there's these tenets and mores and societal ways to go, or you're well, going there to are hell. Some, there are precepts. Now, there's, and there are some, <clears throat> there's some aspects of Buddhism when you learn it that there is some stories, especially the Tibetans have a lot of, um, uh, kind of afterlife and other beings and a- angel like type things and devil like type things that in the, in the, Tibetan, <clears throat> in the, in the Tibetan, the in the Tibetan mythology kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the Tibetan book of the dead. Yeah. Absolutely. Part of what you're doing is you're helping these people go through these different levels right. of consciousness to help them purify. But why is Christ being son of God more? And I say this with no sarcasm or snark. Right. I say this truly on a journey with you. Right. Why is Christ as the son of God absurd if Buddha being actual God, not absurd? Uh, Buddha would never say he was actual God. There's nothing, you know, he, he, he talks about the thing inside of us. That is what we call Buddha nature. Buddha just means awake one. That's all it means. So So he took, so he took the name Buddha because it means I am the awake one. I am the, I've been awakened. Um, and, and so, uh, and then uh, it, it is, it's about recognizing and people always, you know, worship, I have a little Buddha on my altar over there, one outside. People always think it's about being like the stone Buddha or being like the statue. And, and that's not, that's just a symbol of, of something, you know, it's, it's about walking on this earth, knowing you are God and knowing you are human at the same time. You know, it, it yeah. really is, it really is an amazing uh telling of, of Christ's story. I mean, you know, the, the Christian mythology, though, just, you know, wrote it this certain way, but Christ was teaching the same thing. You know, he's saying, we're all God. We've all got it inside of us. Now, is Allah a real guy? He was. Well, Muhammad. And forgive Muhammad my ignorance, was, everyone listening. And I'm, and I'm not, I don't know a lot about Islam Twitter myself. <laughs> yes. I don't know a lot about Islam, but Muhammad was a, a prophet. And he's a living, breathing. He was a living, breathing. Born person. and died and buried guy. Absolutely, yes. And that was in 500 A.D. I believe when all that went so down. So the thing to me is that how many billion years? Fourteen. Fourteen billion years. Yes. There's three people that lived. Yes. That have that recognized their divinity. Well, they, I mean, or Joseph, have been recognized. And Joseph Smith too. If you're a Mormon, I'm sorry, but but they also believe in Christ. Yeah, but they believe Joseph was this, you know, he was a living. I would like to think it's like a like a subsect, like a like a coaching <laughs> tree. He's more like a defensive coordinator, not the head coach, or even like a temp worker kind of guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, look, I, he, he uh, you know what? Hats off, magic hats off to the Mormons. Uh, absolutely, and and. F- Unearthing things in, in the, the upstate clean. New York. It, yes, I heard it's a beautiful city. Oh my God, yeah, it's like Gattaca. Yeah, <laughs> it's a. Ama- Everyone looks like which, John Hudson and Mitt Romney, which gets all- a little boring after a while. Fuck that, <laughs> and fuck you for even saying that. <laughs> well, I like a little graffiti on my stop sign. Gattaca was a little boring after a while. Sorry, just. Well, just I didn't saying. live there. <laughs> I just mean it's beautiful and futuristic. Okay, all right, and right. its simplicity. That is true. Yes. So, out of fourteen billion years of existence. There's only been three people, <clears throat> like that. That blows my mind. Well, no, but but like no one's following John but, Lennon around, but except uh, for the guy that killed him. But, but people are people. People turn people into messiahs all the time. I truly, I'm a Jungian also. I'm a, got my master's in Jungian psychology, so but, I believe the archetype of the messiah is a very humanistic thing that we I need mean, to do. I mean, a messiah 
a thousand years from now that we're still going like Christ, Buddha, and it, Allah. You know for what? Some reason, it's a good story, and it's stuck around. It, and because it still resonates with some people's archetype of, of needing something to worship in that way. And what's fascinating is the three. I, as I speak, one of the one of my favorite meditation practices mm-hmm. is love. Think of love. What does it feel like coming from your body? Is mm-hmm. it a shape? Is it a, is it a flowing vibe? Does it come out of your pores? Does it come out of a part of your body? What's mm. it feel like? What color is it? Mm-hmm. So when we're as we're having this discussion, maybe it's because we said Ghostbusters <laughs> earlier, but I'm picturing three <laughs> beams. Yeah. Uh, Buddha, Allah, right. and Christ. And yeah. what fascinates me is during this time mm-hmm. on earth, these beam, no matter all these wars and all these arguments and all the discourse and all, right. all of it, they just keep bumping up against each other almost... Like we're just we're all idiots. Absolutely. Like these beams, because, like don't because, cross the beams, right? Because, like, but these beams just keep crossing and weaving. Like yeah. it's all like it's right. just the big giant same thing. Yeah, it's oh the my humans. God, I sound like such a fucking blowhard. It's the humans, man. <laughs> the human beings, man. <laughs> what a jerk! It's supposed to be a comic, and I'm sitting here like, welcome to my zone. <laughs> Jeez, I've put a spell over James. No, but, no I love having these conversations, but I'm usually like sharing a joint with another comic driving to, to Luxor. This is ki- this is kind of our new version of that. Yeah, this is now we right, we, po- we podcast in back rooms and have these conversations because you know who really wants to fucking drive to Vegas again? I mean, really, again, the fifteen. I can't do it anymore. You can't do it. I I love it. <sighs> you know well, why? I put the phone away. Yeah, that's true. It can be a nice meditative time. Love it. But see, for me, Vegas the is my dad, Greek, and it just, oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. And the big, and the big thermometer, you know, you gotta know. And then zzzzix and all of that. Zizix. You know, yeah, yeah. And that's, and Art Bell's out there it somewhere. Is. Somewhere. Somewhere out Yermo. there. Yermo. <laughs> There's that weird General Patton Museum. Yes, There's I've g- been there okay, with the when tank. You, when you, and the double, well, and that's wait, that the, isn't the patent thing though. That's out on the ten, right near Indio. Yeah, that's near the big dinosaur that Pee Wee Herman visited, and all Everyone of the dates. Has a big butt, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? Oh, it's six twelve. Is must... it haggis or figus? Okay, I we had I I, I can't fucking stream down. There's like ten. And what's the movie? Far from Heaven. Far from heaven. He was nominated, right? Oh. And now he's like in Allstate. <laughs> you're in good hands. He is. And he was president on 24. That's how I remember. That him. wasn't believable at all. A black president. No, Dennis Haysbrook. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. Black president. So it's not believable it, at all. No, never. Anybody never. can be the first black president. The real coup is who's going to be the second black president. Her- Herman Cain was really hoping that was That's be moving him. a mountain. <laughs> like after the first black president. Yeah. Uh, it's a woman next, God damn it. I hope so. I hope so too. It could have been Christine Todd Whitman. We spoke earlier, but she tapped out. It could have been Hillary too. But uh, you know, I wonder. I wonder what that would have been like the last three years with Hillary. That would have been fascinating. Chris Christie of New Jersey. We spoke about yes before we went on the air. Yes, he'll be running in four years. And I'm, I'm a Jersey guy. And I I said to Kelly, L, uh, California politics seemed the most stagnant of any state in the union. Like when I moved here, because we're so mellow. It was Jerry. Boxer and Feinstein and Jerry Brown, and here we are twenty Again. years later, yes. and it's just the stupidest nothing happeningness. No, thirty-five thousand dollars per student. Yeah, well, public schools and didn't help that uh, we had people like Pete Wilson in between and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, of course, but like in New Jersey, the you're like in and out. Even the senators oh my and stuff. God. Really. Nah. 
You'll See, get like a Lautenberg, are, like he'll stick around forever. I mean, the senators and the Congress people, those people, I mean, it's like um, Barney Frank's retiring right now. 16 He's been elected 16 times. And, he, and did, you, did you see the John Stewart thing? He talks about how he says, yeah, well, you know, Barney Frank's like, well, you know, they've changed my district. And if I was going to get reelected, I'd have to go out. And John's like, and actually convince people <laughs> that yeah. you're doing your job and no get them to ever, vote for you. <laughs> no one's ever had a nice thing to say about Barney Frank. But I, I love the guy, you know, I mean. I mean, they like his, they like yeah, his work. I'm not talking right. about I, I, as yeah, a person. Right. He seemed to have been a true son of a bitch. <laughs> In all aspects of the word. I don't know. If, I think if you work in Congress or Senate, I think that's generally. I, You're for I, term limits, right? Oh, absolutely. You're way less. And money, and money out. I want money out of the fucking elections. Of course. You know what? I'm, I'm, but if you, I'm if way you, left. I'm always people over property, yeah. but I'm also pragmatic. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, stupid shit. Like, you know, I think everything needs to be reexamined. I, I'm, I'm, I think collective bargaining is an important thing, but I think unions got very entrenched and very corrupt in the last 50 years. Uh, things need yeah. to change. I mean, I remember my it's son's ridiculous. preschool teacher when we had to go to a vote for teachers getting, um, <laughs> oh, what's yeah. it called? Tenure. Yes. And I finally said to my son's teacher, I'll change her name because she's too great and awesome. And she was a great educator. It still is, I'm sure. I said, Monica, explain to me and la- like, talk to me like I'm one of these kids. Mm-hmm. She goes, we get tenure after five years. Mm. So with this vote, if it passes, mm-hmm. we'll get tenure after three years. Wow. And I went, mm. the fucking balls on you <laughs> and everyone in your fucking union yeah. where the rest of us are shoveling shit every day for our lives. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's something's going to give and well, it is already. It is giving and it's cracking. And uh, that's why you were tweeting the links to like Occupy. Mm hmm. Uh, I Wall think, Street I and think, Occupy uh, Washington Square Park in uh, Oakland, and yeah. I was, I was kind of eviscerated on Twitter because I said I'm pro protest and I'm pro cop, and people were Absolutely like, too. "That's impossible." I'm like, "The cop lives across the street from you. He got his balls crushed and all this." Right. And there are some there are some cops who have it out for these people and are are you know are bad seeds. Absolutely, totally. you know. And there's a lot of guys who are just fucking trying to make a living and do their job and. You know, I mean, it was really interesting when um, Oak Fo Sho, who's going to be on my show, actually, uh, next week, I'm excited about That's Spencer, the Oakland, uh, the Oakland guy. guy. He's going to come on for about 15 minutes, talk to me. He was uh, downtown when they were going to, you know, evict him. And it was really amazing because all of the, almost every single name, he started reading name tags of all the cops. They were all Latino. And I was like, it's just interesting, just fascinating that, you know, really the 99%, if anything, are trying to do the best for, you know, including the Latino population here in Los Angeles. And, you know, the LAPD has a nasty fucking reputation. I mean, Daryl Gates was a, was a Nazi. I mean, really a horrible man. And, uh, so, you know, I know there was some violence the other night and I, but I know it was nothing like anything that went down in any other city. And I was actually pretty, I mean, if it was going to go down anyway, which we knew it was, um, you know, I think the LAPD had a lot of restraint the other night. And I'm sure there were a couple of guys who used the, those batons on a couple of heads. The thing that's pissing me off, though, is there's over 200 people in jail today downtown still with at least $5,000 bail on the, each of their head. And uh, a lot of those people, you know, no, they're not all druggy fucking hippies. Some of those people are down there and they're old people and they have mortgages and they're down there to support the young effort and... So it just pisses me off when people like. I like the cop at, uh, that was just pepper spraying people on the stuff. Oh my. Handcuffed. Well, and have you seen all the artwork? Uh, no. I will send you the link of okay. all the artwork. People have like he photoshopped knew- him into every amazing, like, 
like uh, Last Supper, the signing of the Constitution, and he's just he's like the pepper spray guy, the Smurfs. It doesn't matter, baby Jesus. He's pepper spraying. It's fucking hysterical. You know, John Hancock when he signed the Constitution signed it so big to <laughs> as a big fu to King George, right? And I always. I'll probably, I would have done it by now. I'll never do a comedy album, but I always want to do a sketch on a comedy album of like, he signs it super huge, like John <laughs> right? Hancock, and then everyone else in the room pussies out. Because <laughs> all the other signatures are like in the margins <laughs> and like real small up in a corner. And guys, really read them. instead of writing George, they'll be like a G, G. or like a TH. <laughs> Uh, and I, I always wanted it like, all right, who's next then? And they're like, oh, I think it looks good the way it is right there. Uh, John Hancock looks good. And he's like, oh, uh, you know what? I've got to move my horse. And like weird shit like that hasn't been invented yet. Like, uh, I think I'm double pork. Okay. I don't know why my fucking British guys, like Taiwan well, or maybe, something. maybe, you know, they have a little British. And, uh, and I, I, I had this like thing in my mind of John Hancock just having a meltdown. Like, all right, time out. <laughs> So far, we have a 16-page letter to the King of England saying, go fuck yourself, sign me. And everyone, like, on Moss going, oh, it looks good to me. Excellent like job. Like well it. done, John. Well done. I like it. <laughs> guys, please, I'm begging you. No, I think it looks best with just the one signature. And then you hear, Lovely. like, one guy, like, an odd voice that doesn't belong at the time, like, man, give me the pen. I'll sign the motherfucking paper. And everyone goes, who's this? I'll sign the motherfucker. <laughs> what? But poor John Hancock. Yeah. Poor guy. Uh, we do you believe to, in term? Oh, we got to go? We have to end, yeah. We're going to end here in a few minutes. Let's we not, have to go home also. And yeah, I'm going to put a baby to bed who's yeah, teething right. and kicking the shit out of us. Mm, he's crying. He's beautiful. I'm guessing crying. What's his name? Meredith. Meredith? Meredith Daniel. Like, name after like, her father. Meredith Wilson wrote The Music Man. And and, and and Meredith Burgess, the famous. Burgess Meredith. Burgess Meredith. Oh, but her, fuck. my wife's dad is named Meredith. So, and her uncle Dan. Okay, so You know your child's ass is going to get kicked. He goes to school <laughs> with people named Xander. Oh, that's right. You're on the West Side. I'm sorry. Of course. My eight. And there's a lot of Tylers and Hunters. Tyler and Tucker. And <laughs> Tucker. Fuck Todd. And guys that look like Todd. Todd. <laughs> of course, we had to end on Dad there. Jay, thank you so much. This was Let's uh, do it again. So, absolutely. You know what? I'll come up to your house and we'll do this again. Fake Mustache Studios. <laughs> oh, is that Fake what it's called? Fake Mustache Studios? Yeah, Matt made a sign. Once he made the sign, it was all we handed it's out official. fake mustaches as gifts at our wedding. Oh, I so like So you got that. like the champagne glass. Nice. But it was also a fake mustache. I like that. And then when we made our entrance as Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. Moore, everyone had their mustaches on. Like no one told them to. Of course. But it was 110. Well, these people. are your friends, Jay. Of course and, they but, did. Every, this is the strangest thing. <laughs> Everyone and all, only someone that's done acid will understand this. <laughs> Everyone picked the right mustache. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Wasn't one like, I don't know if that's the look yeah. for you. Everyone was perfect. <laughs> Handlebars, yes. The big white one, of course. <laughs> the Hitler. <laughs> yes. No, we know Hitler. Wait a minute, you tricked me. Hmm. That's the that's the drop. <laughs> The Hitler. Yes. <laughs> the thing I really like about dying. <laughs> the two things. The two things. The two things I really like about dying. I guess that's the quote of the show. We'll have to make that the little. There either is or there isn't. <laughs> there, it's true. It just My is that way. My favorite Buddhist saying, most of them come from, I know we got to go, come from baseball. Joe Torre went out, manager of the Yankees, went mm -hmm. out to take David Cohn off the mound in the World Series. And this was told to me by Joe Torre. 
and he went out to take David Cohn off the mound. And as he walked out to the mound in the World Series, he goes out to the mound and David Cohn goes, I feel real good. And Joe Torre says, then what the fuck am I doing out here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's nice. It's one of the most it's fascinating beautiful. exchanges beautiful. ever. There's yeah. a scoreboard behind you. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, it. it's beautiful. Yeah. I sent the catcher out. Yeah. I sent the pitching coach out. Then they came coming around. They keep going in circles. This know, other it, team keeps going in circles it, around you. It's it's kind of it's kind of like when I I'm a creative coach and I work with clients and they'll they'll come and they'll tell me about everything that's going on in their life and I'll say, How's that working for you? Yeah. <laughs> because you called me. <laughs> so Where do I know you not. from? I don't know. No, you're in movies, right? Uh, sometimes. What movie are you in? Jerry Maguire? I never saw it. You on TV? Yeah. What do you want? Uh, I was on Ghost Whisperer? Gary? I don't watch TV. Then what the fuck am I doing out here? How do you fight it? Then what the fuck am I doing out here in Baker by the thermometer so, talking to you? I think that kind of sums up the big question from the beginning, which is 14 billion years. What the fuck am I doing out here? Hopefully spreading light <laughs> and love. We are. I'm. I'm sure of it. We spread a little bit today. Fuck just, Tucker. Just right over. Well, Tucker but, sucks. Oh, yeah. Tucker doesn't get any lighter love, but that's just the way it is. All right, everyone. I'm going to say goodbye here. I've got some uh, thank yous. I've got some major thank yous because I want to um, thank... Uh, I put a donate button up on my website to help out people who wanted to support the show. And I have to tell you, I am completely humbled by people who have uh, sent me donations. And let me tell you, I am buying equipment for my new podcast studio with these donations. And I I'm so humbled. So I just want to say some names. Beth Savitt, Sean Darby, David Finnan, Florence Gray, Clara Sturak, Ben and Wendy Temko, and Sean Mernon. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. You make me want to be a better person and a better podcaster and spread more love and light because I know that you're behind me. And that just makes me want to fucking cry so thank you so much and uh i want to thank jay for being here and matt for plugging all the right things in the right holes and that is not dirty stop it people and turning on the right things okay maybe that was dirty uh and of course i want to thank kevin for hosting this show on smodcast and uh next week i have ted alexandro who is smart kind and funny also just like jay i think this is what i have i have smart kind and funny men on my show and women too but it's very nice and then i'm also having oak foe show on my show he's spencer i don't know his last name yet he's the guy who's at the occupy oakland and occupy la he's the guy who's doing the the Ustream thing he's amazing he's going to come on and talk for a few minutes also next week and um find me on twitter Kelly underspace Carlin. Uh, I guess according to Jay, you can no longer find him on Twitter. We're going to get him back on. For a while. Don't you? Yeah, he's just taking some time off. He needs a little breather because there's been a little spat this week. And oh, by the way, I have offered to be the group therapist between <laughs> you and Joe and Bert. <laughs> Never mind. And, um, and uh, find me on Facebook. I have a like page and a friend page. And uh, we're going to end the show with a little song by the Clutter family called Life the movie. Love you all.